welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Dara Okuju, founder and CEO of MFS Africa. MFS Africa is a pan-African fintech company that develops innovative value-added services for mobile wallets. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stacey. How's the last week, couple of months been? Oh, pretty good. Uh, as you know, the call here in Johannesburg was, was something in, in July. Um, but I spent this week trying to get ready to go and leave. So I look forward to that. Uh, I'll be off next week. So looking forward to reading some books. Well deserved. Um, Dara, let's hop right in. I'm really eager to learn more about your career and ultimately what led you to build MFS Africa. Sure. So as you may know, Stacey, I'm from Benin uh, in West Africa, uh, born and raised there. I left yeah. Benin in 94, uh, initially to go to Morocco. I spent two years there. And ultimately, I went to France to study engineering, telecom engineering. So I graduated as a telecom engineer in 99. Um, but the year before I graduated in 98, I had my first startup experience. Uh, I joined a startup in, uh, in the US, in New York, uh, where we were trying to build uh, ADSL modems. Um, and that was, uh, you know, I had a really, really technical job of simulating transmission channels and all, all this kind of good stuff. Um, and it was my real first introduction to, you know, to, to work, to career, if you like. And that was good in the sense that it made it clear to me that I prefer the business side of things than the mm. deep technical. Um, the why was important to me. Why did we need to to build ADSL modems? You know, what yeah. problem was that going to solve? And, why was that important? Um, anyway, learning from that, I went back to France, graduated in 1999, and, uh, and I joined PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, more in the quest to be involved more in business side of things and solving problems at business level uh, rather than uh, writing code, which I enjoyed very much as well back then. Um, PwC, you know, consulting is kind of the place for people who don't know who don't know what they want to do, and I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot go with the flow, and uh, yeah, I went with the flow, learned learn, learn about many things, learned to be a professional. I would say it was a great school, uh, mm. and um, but slowly over the years, the urge to a uh, come back to Africa and be have a meaningful impact on on bettering lives across the continent was just with me and, and won't go away. So yeah. um, I eventually got there, uh, joined MTN in Johannesburg via business school, and uh, I landed in South Africa in 2006 uh, to work with MTN Group and uh, spent three years with the group, fantastic years again. Uh, you know, South Africa, you remember the lead up to the 2010 World Cup was, yeah. was the place to be. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I enjoy every bit of it. But again, as uh, MTN was growing and I was growing with it, I was uh, uh, the last two and a half years with MTN, I was pretty much focused on driving what is now MTN Mobile Money. So I was responsible for the group uh, to roll this out. So it was very, very early days of, uh, of Mobile Money. And uh, and as we, we, we as you know as I was doing this, uh, I couldn't stop thinking about you know what else could be. And yes, yeah. MT, we were building this for MTN, and uh, 
uh, I couldn't help thinking that, you know, what will it be if we can connect all of them together, if we can connect it to the one that Orange was building, that uh, Vodafone was building, and so on and so forth. So that eventually set me on the path to start MFS Africa, and it was just a quest of, you know, replicating something that I've seen firsthand happening in the telecommunication world, which is just to, you know, connect networks in one giant network of networks, which today makes us all take for granted that, you know, I can pick up my phone here in Johannesburg and call someone in Bangladesh or Peru or Djibouti. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it was like, you know, can we do the same with money? And that, that's how I started MFS Africa and been trying since. <laughs> that's awesome. You've gone between startups and corporates. How do you know the startup world is for you? I think it's, um, first of all, I mean, this day, I would say the lines becoming blur and blur between uh, yeah. you know, what you would call startup and corporate, right? You know, you, you have startup like literally five people and you have startup like MFS Africa with like, yeah. you know, 165 people and you have startup, uh, you know, even bigger ones, right? So, yeah. so um but ultimately, I think it's about risk appetite, I think, a little bit. Um, your ability to, to live on the edge. Um, but stage matters a lot, I think. The stage of mm-hmm. the startup that we're talking about. So um, to, to, to start something is completely different. Like start from zero, and that's kind of founder, and there's so much being said and written and so much literature about the psychology of founders, right? So I'm, I'm not yeah. talking about that. But to join, if you're going to decide to join a team of four or five people, I think, you know, the story and who those people are matters a lot. Uh, it's really, it's so small that, you know, it doesn't really matter what your job is going to be. What, what would be probably more important is can you actually work with those four or five people? And if yeah. you're trying to build something that resonates deeply with you. Uh, as the company progresses, I think, you know, that becomes slightly less important, although it continues to be very, very important. But I think the as the company grows and become more stable and have system and processes, you are just joining a smaller company. And I think at that point, uh, you know, the upside becomes important. Probably the purpose of the company is also very important. Yeah. Uh, I think the nature and who the founder is still continue to play a big role. But normally that, that, that diminish as, as thing goes. You know, I don't know if people join, you know, Google today because of uh, Sergey, uh, you know, who are not, <laughs> no longer there, right? So at some point that, that, that hopefully that goes away and it's more about the purpose of the company and what kind of environment they can offer, what kind of culture they have. I think, and then it becomes just comparing companies, not so much startup to corporate. Let's hone in on your experience. What made you feel like it was the right move? I think I was always a bit itchy, I think. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I was pretty bad corporate guy. I, you know, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was always crossing lanes. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't just stay in. You know, corporate has some so so many unspoken rules, and I'm kind of a bit revolutionary. So I just I just want to do what I want to do. I so love it. from that point of view, I w- I don't think I will have lasted in corporate anyway. Yeah. You know. Um. So, but on the other side, I think I always had this urge to do something meaningful. You know, for me, mm. 
it was always about you know uh, you know make the life we live in count you know and we live in a continent we are from a continent that has so much more to build and so much yeah. more to do to, to to bring prosperity and that was constantly with me from from university days through all my experiences so i was fortunate enough to have you know had the exposure you know working in good places went to good schools and and so when the opportunity came to actually put all this to test to to, to test my resolve to actually make a meaningful uh, impact on, on the lives of yeah. Africa and I thought that that was a blessing so I embraced it so it wasn't an, an agonizing question for me at all it was it said <laughs> natural <laughs> you briefly touched on the psychology behind entrepreneurs you took the leap and left corporate to build your own business when is it right to stay corporate and when is it right to take that risk and build your own business I think so one thing that we have it you know we have to keep in mind is like if it's about money actually if you are talented corporate is a pretty good option okay because you know you can i'll say you know really really good caliber people can do a life in corporate and will end up with a net worth for five million dollars plus and they will Along the way, they will go on holidays and they will put their kids through good schools and they will enjoy life. That, that if you're good, the skill gap, the skill shortage is so big in Africa that actually you can do that. So I think if it's about money, actually starting a business is a bad idea because, you know, the probability, right? The expected output. So how mm-hmm. much money you want times the probability of getting it. If you do that math, Corporate is better, I think. Now, now, so it has to be about something okay. else. I think it has to be, it has to be bigger. It has to be something more deeper. It has to be something that you cannot passionate about, or, or really an opportunity that only you can take. Something like that. And most thing, most people I see around me, is more the former. Is people who are deeply passionate about a problem. People yeah. who are deeply, you know, in love with something. People who just burning to do that thing that they, they're starting. And that is actually what carries you through the difficult moment, I think. And as it goes along the way, I think also, uh, as I explained earlier, um, the, you know, the different stages, and I do think that you know, we, we have also this myth of starting, but we've seen many, many examples of com- companies that actually the person who finishes is not the person who started it. And we have yeah. to keep that in mind. So there are points where, you know, the the CEO of the company may not be the founder or the founder is not the right person to, yeah. to lead the company. So there is also that opportunity. And I think sometimes we look a little bit down on that or we don't make it as explicit that you can come from corporates and take leadership or play a leading role in what was a startup and growing startup and actually we're coming to an age in Africa where there are quite a number of those companies that can use, you know, steadier hands, I would say, than founder hands sometimes uh, to, to take the company into another. So one thing is to start, but another thing is to, to join at some point and still make a meaningful impact. And I don't think one is better than the other and the founder should be more celebrated than, than, 
than, you know, executives who can just grow businesses. So if a friend came to you, they have the passion, they're like, I am really excited to start this business. This is why, this is the impact I want to make um, across Africa. What else would you recommend they have in place before going ahead and starting this business? Whether that's financially, skill set, what would you recommend? I, will, I mean, first, and I said this before, I think, you know, brilliance is hygiene factor. I mean, this thing is so hard that you need to be able to, you know, just you need to be smart. Like, and when I say smart, it's not like necessarily top of your class and all that, but mm. just ability to work through really complex things quickly when it requires rational thinking. So that, that has to be, if, if you don't have it yourself, you need to surround yourself with people. So the number one is to check, you know, can this per, can you, can you do that? Can you build a team? Because the skills that you're going to be, need, that you're going to need along the way, it's almost impossible for one person to have all those things. Actually, I would say it's impossible. Yeah. So this, this, the first question is, okay, you know, can, can this person just you know, think through the stuff that we're talking about? Can you build a team around you? Can you, can you bring people in? Can you, you know, can, can, you, can you do that? Do you have the humility to lead? Then the grit will be important. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe it happens. It's not easy. Well, it's most importantly, it's like plan A never works. I never said it. So whatever you're telling me. Probably not even plan B. (laughs) Whatever you're telling me is your plan. I know it's not going to work. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because I never said it. (laughs) But can you go to plan C? Can you go to plan D? Yeah. If you have to. And that is the part that people really underestimate that actually it's uh, the greed carries you through because it gets really, really messy and you're like in deep water. And mm. most people, I think Ben Horry says this, you know, most people, it's inhuman, the kind of mental pressure that founders, entrepreneurs have put themselves through. And most human will will not take it and they're right not to take it. I'm not, we mustn't build this kind of image of no, you're too weak, you know. No, it's just too much for people. Yeah. And what carries you through again is your ability to build a system around you, to bring people with you. So if you are too solitary, I think it gets even harder. And that goes back to the ability to build a team that I mentioned first. So I'll say, you know, brilliance, humility to lead and build a team and grit to push through. I love it. Thanks, Daria. When we were discussing whether to stay corporate or start your own business, you mentioned the talent gap in Africa. In a market like Europe, there is talent for every stage of the business you're in, whether that's pre-seed, building phase, to rapidly scaling. How do you recommend businesses hire pre-revenue in Africa? And then do you keep the same people in those seats when the business is growing rapidly? Uh, That's a great question. Look, I think pre-revenue, as I mentioned, it has to be really the story of the people. So, you know, you have nothing else to offer. And uh, you know, and that's kind of what people make the, the judgment on. Uh, as you progress, it becomes, the business grow and people grow also. And people change and the job changes. And as you mentioned, you know, in Europe, in the US, in other places where the ecosystem has gone through so many layers, 
there is indeed people for every stage. So, you know, if you need the chief commercial officer who can take your business from, I don't know, uh, $100,000 to a million dollars in revenue, but well, 10 people who have done that before you can hire. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't kind of get that luxury in Africa. So we need people to scale more than, than elsewhere. So you need the same person, you know, who has done that from zero to hundred thousand dollars to still be able to do the, the, the hundred to, to, to one million. And that's not always possible. Uh, yeah. Do you keep the same people? Sometimes, yes. And in Africa, I think we do more than elsewhere, I would believe. Uh, but do you have to? I would say no. Because sometimes it's really, really, the job is really different. You know, it could be, including the job of the CEO, as I was mentioning earlier. Mm. That the, you know, the job, my job five years ago is very different from my job now. And so I have to change to be able to do this job now. But some people can't or don't want to change. Uh, you know, they, I know people who really enjoy that phase of from zero to hundred, which is the yeah. chaos phase, which is, you know, <laughs> you know, we just in one garage and everything. And they truly enjoy that. And why do you want to kind of rob them of that and force them to in a phase that maybe they don't enjoy from 1 million to 10 million. Right. So it should be okay that people want to go around and do another startup that is also from coming from zero to 200. But, Ultimately, you know, in the past, I would say we didn't have so much of that luxury because the market, the market was so small. But as the last 10 years with all these startups, all the, the, the buzz around tech in general in Africa, I think that would be one of the net positive. The net positive is like there's a lot of people and more and more people on the market who are fit for different stages of startups and it will make the life of founders that are coming now a little bit easier than ours. Our way, uh, our our life's way, um, and then you have to obviously look more and more, uh, you know, toward corporate to say, look, you know, as company like ours, MFS Africa, is coming to age and growing and you know becoming more and more established. Uh, obviously, we become a strong competitor to to talent in corporate, especially when those people who want don't want to be a number, you know, uh, wants meaning and purposes want simpler culture, want flexibility. Um, yeah. You know, company like ours can offer more of that. Uh, so we have a, now a pool that you can play with, which, uh, and even if you are really, really a risky person, we get into a, a, a space where, you know, it, it, it's not that risky. Yeah. So, so that, that I would say, look, you, you have to recognize that people uh, can change with the job, but, people may not be able to or may not want to. So you have to recognize that whether you keep the same people or you change the people as your company grows. Okay, then what's the difference between deep context and global competitiveness when you're hiring for a pan-African country? Oh, that's the, that's the art part of entrepreneurship, I think. It's such a, it's such a delicate balance, um, yeah. but it's important. I think for uh, you have to actually have an element of both and uh, you may not have it right at the beginning so you may mm -hmm. hire someone with maybe little context deep expertise global exposure but very quickly you have to have in place the the the, the, the framework to give them the context right and uh, but sometimes you do the opposite where you you know you take people with the context and they can learn the skills. 
Yeah. But I think as a company for sure, MFS Africa, we want both. We don't feel like we have to choose because we believe both are extremely important. You cannot, you cannot tell me really that, you know, you want to move hundreds of millions of Africans toward prosperity if you don't know what life looks like in Conakry. Yeah. If you never walk the streets of Kampala, if you have no idea what happened on the border between, uh, you know, Congo and Zambia, you know, if you don't Zambia, you know, if you don't know the history of of an empire, so there is there are aspects of these things that, you know, you cannot be shallow about that context, and you you can, what you can do will eventually be limited by your lack of context if you don't work on that. But at the same time, context alone will not write line of codes. Context alone will not create marketing. Context alone will not, you know, create and deliver a great sales pipeline. So you do need the skills. But we as, as MFS Africa, we don't choose between the two. We believe we need both. And we always try to build both into people. So I've spoken to a couple businesses that are looking at expanding across Africa with no feet on the ground or not even entering the country doing research on the ground before launching. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> then they know something <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, look, it's very difficult. You see the the thing. I mean, again, it depends, right? So whether you're doing B two B or B two C is already very different, right? So yeah, you can, you know, whether you're selling just to government uh, or you're selling not to government, so it will depend on what it is that your business is. But I would say if your business ultimately uh, somehow will require consumers to do something slightly differently for your business to be successful, whether you're working directly with those consumers or you're working with other businesses, but the, your success depends on consumers' behavior, it will be very courageous, let me say, to do that. Dare, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I loved having you on. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Of course. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you? On LinkedIn and uh, on Twitter. My handle is at Dokuju. Fantastic. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.